It's still Christmas. It's still Christmas as the Magi come looking for Jesus. It's still Christmas as they take a wrong turn and end up in front of Herod. It's still Christmas as they set off an awful chain of events that will lead to an atrocity that we rarely speak of. But how can that be Christmas? And what could it mean for all of us? Hi, I'm Stuart and I get to be the minister here at St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse in Scotland. We'd like to wish you a very happy new year. I hope that the year ahead is full of peace and hope for you. In our time together today, we're going to explore the visit of the Magi, travellers from far off lands who see a star and set out on a journey, a journey that will have some very serious consequences. So let's listen now to how Matthew tells the story. Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 to 23 In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men, and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you found him, Bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfil what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah, a voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. 
There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. Up to two years have passed, and nothing much has happened since Jesus was born. And I mean nothing. According to Matthew's Gospel, Mary and Joseph were already living in Bethlehem, and there was no stable, no manger, there were no choirs of angels or visiting shepherds. Despite the heavenly circumstances of Jesus' conception, everything else seems to have been very, very human. Jesus is a toddler now, and life has settled down to the normality of whatever day-to-day life was like for the young family. Little did they know that elsewhere Jesus' birth was causing quite a stir. People we've come to call wise men from the East had seen a star and believed it to herald the birth of a new king of the Jews, and so they set off to find him and pay homage. How could they know that their pilgrimage would lead to a trail of death and disaster? But who were they? And why did their visit cause such chaos? The first thing to say is they were not kings. The Gospel calls them magi, the plural of magus, which means magician or astrologer. They were the ones who paid attention to the stars and interpreted their movements as signs. In Persia, the magi were a priestly caste, so they were probably advisors or priests, or, or probably both. Whoever they were, Israel was a very long way from their home. Legend has them as Melchior of Persia or Babylonia, Gaspar of India, and Balthazar of Arabia or Syria. And if you follow the wanderings of the wise men every year on Facebook, you'll know that they have a camel called Hezekiah, and Hezekiah is the smart one. They've wandered off their map, certainly well out of their own neighbourhoods, and so it's not surprising that they seem a little lost. But they were following a star, how could they get lost? Have a think about that for a moment. They would have been wandering round in circles if they had simply walked towards a star. What the story actually tells us is that they saw a star rising, a new star, and they knew it to mean the birth of a new king of the Jews, and so they set off to the place that that would happen in. Jerusalem. It seems that they know very little about the prophecies though, especially of the Messiah. They go to Jerusalem looking for a king because where else would a king be born? What they find instead is Herod. Herod is a king, but he's not even of royal blood. He was a soldier who was installed as a client king by Caesar. So these supposedly wise men aren't as knowledgeable as they perhaps should be about local politics. If they'd known more, they would have given this tyrant a wide berth. He killed his own wife and sons because he thought they were scheming against them. There is very little Herod would not do to safeguard his own status. The travellers ask where the new king is, and this sets off this terrible series of events. Bethlehem. The prophecies say Bethlehem because the new king will be from David's line. So an actual king then, with a real claim to the throne. Someone people could rally to, someone who could overthrow Herod without even trying very hard. But it's more than that, he won't just be the king, he will be the Messiah, the saviour. Herod can see all that he has melting away before his eyes. He's only in power because of the Romans. If they go, then there's no chance that he can stay on the throne. So Herod sends the Magi to Bethlehem and asks them to come back and to tell him all about the child so that he too can go and worship it's as the Magi arrive in Bethlehem that the star is there again, sitting over the place where they find Jesus. But hold on, 
How would they know what house to go to? I wonder, did they go knocking on doors asking, does the Messiah live here? They had no idea what or who they were looking for. They'd already shown that. All they knew was they, they were looking for a boy born at the same time as the star had rose. Matthew tells us that the star stopped and that's where they found the child. And they paid homage to him, bringing gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. Gifts for a king and a priest. And they certainly got that bit right. They're about to set back off to Jerusalem to tell Herod about what they'd found. But they're warned in a dream not to do so, so they travel home by another road. And we're left to wonder about these strangers from a far-off place who, in Matthew's Gospel, are the only ones to recognise the birth of the Messiah. They were Gentiles and God spoke to them in the same way that God had spoken to Joseph. Theirs is the epiphany, the realisation, the seeing who Jesus really is. We could leave it there. A lovely Christmas card images of three kings and camels secure for another year. But we can't, because that's only half the story. We can't because to do so would be a cover-up, a sham, a lie about the reality of Christmas. Herod is livid, and his action is swift and brutal. In a horrific act, he kills every child in Bethlehem who was two years old or under, while Mary, Joseph and Jesus escape to Egypt, having been warned in a dream. There's so much to say about this. It's hugely symbolic. For the writer of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is the new Moses, and that's hugely important. So this story echoes the baby Moses who was saved from a similar atrocity committed by Pharaoh. Remember Moses' mother put him in a basket in the river and the princess found him in the rushes. All this means that Jesus will return from exile in Egypt. He will cross the same wilderness as the freed Hebrew slaves. They were led through it by Moses. It means that Jesus will do something that Moses never did though. Jesus will cross the Jordan into the promised land. For the Jewish readers Matthew primarily writes for, all of this is crucial. The Messiah will take on the mantle of Moses, the one who led God's people to freedom. Freedom from what though? Freedom from a life under a brutal regime where they were slaves. Freedom from the whips of the slave masters. Freedom from toiling every day to make more, to build more, to increase the wealth of other people. They'd come full circle. They needed to be freed again. This time from Herod, from the Romans, and from their own misunderstanding of who they were and who God was. Freed by a refugee, fleeing for his life to a place that had well been less than welcoming to his ancestors. But then the family had some newfound wealth, gold, frankincense and myrrh. So perhaps the Egyptians had a similar asylum policy to the UK where it seems as though those with money are treated differently from those who have nothing. If we're not shocked by Matthew's Christmas story, then we really haven't been paying attention. If the consequences of God showing up in the most unlikely place to the least likely people doesn't chill us to our core, then we really haven't been paying attention. If the implications of all of this are simply so that we can eat turkey and exchange gifts, then we really, really have missed the point. Matthew's Christmas story lays bare the gulf between the power of the world and the power of empire. The actions of tyranny. The power they need to have more. The power to control everything in our lives and in our society. The power to have fear over us. All of that is contrasted 
and a child. A vulnerable child who's done nothing but take his first few faltering steps. A helpless child who still relies on his parents to feed, to clothe and bathe him. A life that's still little more than potential. Just like those other children so needlessly slaughtered by Herod. Children who the government was supposed to protect, but didn't. Here at the start, at the very heart of Matthew's Gospel, is the truth about why we need God with us. Why we need to repent, to change our way of thinking about the world. Why we need saved, saved from ourselves as much as from anyone else. The world is not as it should be. Wealth and power and violence still hold sway. The poor, the lonely, the sick and the dispossessed are left to the mercy of others. Those looking for safety are forced to seek it outside their own borders. And very little has changed. So if we are to take seriously the implications, to take seriously the reality of God with us, there's much for us to do. As Howard Thurman writes, When the song of the angel is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among others, to make music in the heart. See the star pierce the darkness, shining hope to all the earth. See the sky blaze with glory, angels praise the Saviour's birth. See the joy, shepherds worship, amazed at all that they have seen. See the hope, wise men journey, bringing treasures to the King. See the dawning of the sun Darkness flees for love has come The power of death will be undone Christ is born See the trust, humble Mary Gazes at her Saviour's face See the
darkness flees for love has come the power of death will be undone Christ is born Gracious God as we gather in praise we ask for your continued sustenance for this church for this community locally and globally this body of Christ We pray that we will be able to continue to serve you, each other and the mission and ministry we have each been called to in our own unique way. We ask for the strength to see and to plan, to invigorate and to change, to cast off where needed and to cherish where warranted. As we face continued problems as a community, a society, a country and a world, we ask for your love and peace poured out on all take root in our hearts and in the hearts of all friend and foe. We ask for wisdom to be given to all those who seek to lead us in this country and beyond, that in this new year they will work for the good of all people. As we bear witness to the pain of this world, we ask for your guiding, healing hand. We pray for all who look out at a world of rejection, fear, loss, poverty and illness. We pray for all those who are marginalised through their class, sexuality, education, gender, finances, race, geography or beliefs and we ask for the boldness to cause hope in a world sorely needing. As we step forward in faith into a new year with anticipation and the promise of better days to come we ask for your blessing on our lives and on all those that we hold dear. As we seek to honour the losses and heartaches of the year that has passed and to hold on to the good that we have, we ask for strength and the reassurance that you stand with us, among us, through each and every trial, that your light will shine through the darkest dark and guide our lives through this year and beyond. All these things we ask in the name of your Son, our Saviour. Amen. Go now from this time and walk in the light of the one who sends you. Speak truth to the powerful ones, safeguard the suffering ones, shelter the fleeing ones, strengthen the weary ones. Live fully, laugh often, love much, and may God's blessing be yours. God who is known to us as Father, Son and Holy Spirit. That blessing with you now and always. Food Bank will reopen for collection next Sunday, that's the 8th of January, 
from 1 till 2.30pm at St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. All of your donations would be gratefully received at this time. Night Church takes place on the 8th of January, that's Sunday the 8th of January, between 7.30 and 9pm. Night Church is a warm and cosy space in our church where you can come and sit in the candlelight and pray, think or simply just be. You can stay for as long or as short a time as you wish but you will be most welcome. And as always, you can find out more about what's happening at St Ninian's on our website at saint-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk or you can visit our Facebook page at St Ninian's Church Stonehouse or you can find us on other social media channels.